And welcome. That was Eat It by Weird Al Yankovic. It was very, uh, very appropriately chosen by Darren for this episode because we're all talking about a specific documentary that Dave, Darren, and myself saw. We're all here in studios. Hello, guys. Hello. That was well-timed, well done. <laughs> it's excellent. But yeah, we're, we're talking about a documentary we all watched last night, actually, uh, called Just Eat It, A Food Waste Story. In fact, you, uh, uh, the, uh, the name of this show is, is uh, already decided, which is rare, so I'm going to say welcome to this episode. The episode title, of course, is The Straight Banana. Uh, which, <laughs> the straight banana, yeah. Straight banana, I like it. Yeah. Uh, so well, this, that's the episode. Uh, so here's the idea basically is that what Just Eat It is all about is about the food waste in our system and sort of what is causing that and sort of solutions, but really just sort of a lot of what's causing the problems. That was a majority of It's a conversation of it. start. It's a conversation start. There we go. Uh, so I'm gonna, now I'm going to, uh, there's, I'm going to set some ground rules, which is that we we can decide we can spend a bit of time discussing how we actually feel about the documentary, <laughs> but we should try to focus on the actual food waste problem at hand. All right, um, maybe we can do a little bit of both. We can do a little both. So if maybe what we should do first is just get primary thoughts from everybody on the documentary. On the documentary itself, the whole thing, uh, content and not content. Just what do you think, uh, Dave? You start. I thought. It was good. It was a good preliminary uh, sort of thing. If I had seen it four year, four or five years ago, then it would have really blown, uh, made me really would have blown my mind a lot more. Mm. Seeing it now, um, after being introduced to a lot of the stuff, it seems a little bit um, preliminary, like I said. But that doesn't change the fact that it's a, a good doc overall. Um, I would have preferred, in terms of the I don't know direction, style, or style of the doc. If they had gone whole hog on one of the two areas where they could have either focused heavily on the people they were constructing a story about, which is the documentarians, mm. um, about their attempt to uh, survive only on food that otherwise would have been thrown away for six months, um, or had gone full informational and just focused on authors and scientists or, um, or NGO workers, mm. um, like they did a little bit in the doc. So, like, I, either I wanted to see more, either I wanted to be more engaged with the actual characters and build a story around them and just fully focus on that and have the food waste narrative just sort of be present or go fully on the, on the other side of actually um, talking about the issues and, and scientifically about what could be done and what is happening hmm. uh, in terms of food waste. All right. Uh, Darren. Uh, uh, yeah, I want to, I think part of your thing about the beginning about saying let's stick to talking about food <laughs> issues was because I left saying that I was not thrilled with a bunch of stuff. But I think I think upon reflection, it largely stems from two things which are not, uh, are it should not be considered significant criticism. One mm. of which is that I'll just also agree with Dave that I didn't learn anything. Mm. And I think part of my other criticisms was that I found many parts of it slow, although I was thinking about our conversation after that. Uh, which was largely due to the fact that the the reason I found it slow is because they created pauses for you to think about stuff, and I didn't need to think about it, mm. so I was bored. Mm. Uh, so, from my point of view, you could have done the same documentary in a lot shorter time. But, mm. I, but again, as you know, for somebody who's this was their near to first exposure to this type of information, mm. uh, I think it would have been very well received. And I I I also sort of wish that they'd sort of stuck more to one thing. But again, I think I think the intention was to start a whole bunch of conversations and not really give you any solutions or really like there really wasn't 
anything there other than, hey, there's a whole bunch of stuff here that you probably, if you didn't know, will shock you, and mm. we would like you to look and do further. Mm. Uh, if that was the goal, then mission accomplished. Mm. All right. Uh, yeah, so I find, what, one thing I find interesting is that I definitely liked it the most out of the three of us. And sec, and I think part of that thing stems from the fact that, uh, I don't have the same experience, uh, in either the food world, or whatever you call it. What do you call that? Sort of food, um. The food world. Uh, the food world. That you do, Darren, you, with your past experience, work, work experience. And I also haven't done the sort of stuff that they were doing that, like you have, Dave. So I think I may have, uh, I may have been even, sl- even though I, again, there was only a couple things that I actually found, uh, as new information. I was sort of hoping I'd come out of this with like three or four more talking points that I could drop on people, uh, which didn't exactly come. Uh, but there was a couple and I really liked it. And I, I would, I would definitely recommend it to, to a lot of pe- to almost anyone who wants to sort of get someone thinking about it. I think one thing they did do and they saw, and it's sort of the Q and A we went to afterwards or were sat into afterwards that was that I found so interesting was the uh fact that the maker the the guy out of, out of the couple who made this documentary was very very much against preaching and so i think they went out of their way to avoid anything that could sound like preaching which i think was sort of why they sort of left you with the only uh know these things exist and pressure something to do something but didn't really give any direct uh real asks uh of the audience which I think is, which I think honestly will be received well for a lot of people who wouldn't normally, who wouldn't want to be doing us so anyways. So I think if your goal is to sort of plant a seed, you did a very good job planting the seed. Did we mention the title of this documentary? Yeah, it's just Eat It. I think I mentioned it off the top. A food um, waste story. A food waste story, yeah. It's, and I believe the, e- I believe the email address is foodwastemovie.com or so.org. Who were the people who made it? I don't know. Brett. Brett? Brent? Brent? Something. Something? Uh, we can get to that. Uh, the um, but I'm sure if you Google this uh, or just click under the podcast below, link below, below uh, you'll get to the audience. But yeah, so one thing uh, to kicking off the actual more environmental conversation. One thing I thought they could have gone to a bit more. One thing I found very interesting was the idea of food waste as energy conservation, and the idea that failure to not eat to cook one what was it, it was, it was the, the failure to not cook one hot hamburger was this equal was equivalent of having a 90 minute shower yeah that yeah that was another fact that i that jumped out for me that you know i hadn't i was i was aware of the fact that that meat was incredibly high in water mm-hmm. consumption and that was sort of a something that i know is not generally known that i was aware of mm-hmm. but that specific figure was definitely stuck out one hamburger one hamburger which i think how many ounces then let's say normal size hamburger mm-hmm. Um, it's well American, so we were talking about it. <laughs> Let's say eight ounces. Let's say an eight ounce burger. It's, it's it's the size of your face. Mm, okay. um, no, I think it says hamburger. Um, but no, I think there's I think that's in, that equivalency I think is very useful a lot because I think there's the what I, what's interesting actually is the idea of how food waste is perceived in different places too. Like I was actually I was talking to someone from Colombia on Friday, no Saturday, and he was explaining to me that the idea of takeaway bags in Colombia doesn't exist. Because if you, it's seen if you go to a restaurant and you take food back, that's showing you're poor. And that's like a low status thing to do. And so like his parents wouldn't let him do it. But they, but they also have a culture of not of finishing what they, what they have in their plate or? I, I don't know. I imagine. Um, I don't, I, I don't, I don't know how that, how that sort of works. But like, it's interesting sort of how different cultures, and, and I think what, and one, and there's an interesting sort of thing that, the sort of push to stop overeating has also put them in a push to like accepting people not finishing their meals. Mm. 
and it's like good to like, you know it's not good to feminism, but people are sort of seen as like you know you're very much permitted not to, mm. uh, which is fine. But the idea, of, well, if you're not doing good at saving and not doing it, eating it quickly enough, then you've got a whole different problem. But yeah, so there, there was a couple things like that that I found very interesting, and I, I love the idea of this sort of quest. Yeah. yeah, that was new for me too. I think that's I think that's only American. Uh, oh yeah, I thought, I, was, I, I thought it was in Vancouver. Yeah. Oh, was it? Oh, sorry. Yeah. yeah. No, you're right. It was in it was in Vancouver. But no, that I did I hadn't heard of that before, and that's that's something I would love to see elsewhere. Yeah. That's a great idea. Yeah. Yeah. The Quest grocery store, which um, I guess gets donations from supermarkets that would otherwise get rid of the food. I think it's mostly whole food wholesalers. Wholesalers. Yeah. Right? So yeah, it can't it can't, it can't have been scravenged from a bin? Unlike yeah, the not scavenged from a bin, but they, <laughs> so they don't get it from actual supermarkets. No, it's from wholesalers. Okay. Yeah. So they get they get otherwise would be wasted products from wholesalers, and then people who have a low income can sign up to uh, shop at the store and buy really cheap food. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and that was the other key factor is that you had to apply to be there. It wasn't yeah. just like a cheap place to get food for anybody, but people that actually needed it, mm-hmm. which I think is really important. Yeah, and I think it was interesting. And, and I should also add that I could have used that this uh, a couple times this year. <laughs> exactly. That's what I was thinking. Um, that, 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 was, that, was one of the, that was one of the things I was thinking when I was doing it. It was like, I have like, I have occasionally last year, I have gone hungry because I didn't think I could afford food. If I had just thought of walking into a dumpster and finding, you know, 17 pounds of hummus... Yeah, I'm I'm a lot better. in Toronto. Yeah, I might need hard. a car as well. I yeah, it did seem, it didn't no seem like you needed a car. They, really they were going out to distributors a lot, yeah. So yeah. it's the, the real, the realistic the situation would be that that would be difficult to do on a regular basis if yeah. you were actually had no other option. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, also, because I think a lot of people didn't look at them coming and going. Yeah, because they were in a car. Right. Yeah. Whereas if you were a homeless person yeah. wandering right. around the property, you would have security on you in five oh, seconds. Oh yeah, that's true. Like that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So. And I think also, uh, we should explain, I guess, sort of what the hell we're talking about, which is that the, the, the documentary went, followed this couple go for six months, uh, trying to eat nothing but wasted food. Or food that would be wasted. Earlier. You did mention that? Yeah. Okay, excellent. Um, but, yeah, and, and so a lot of it involved them driving around looking, trying to find places, trying to find different, uh, foods everywhere. And, you know, it was, it turned out to be, you know, generally pretty easy for them, but again, largely because they were setting up a, a film rig every time to watch themselves yeah. dumpster dive, which is not something that most people would, who are, you know, yeah, in that situation going to do. I feel like that also helped them not get in trouble as yeah. they had expensive equipment with them. Yeah. People were like, well, they're probably doing something important. Yeah. yeah. Um, they look rich. They look white. <laughs> they're in our dumpster. Whatever. Although I did love the story of the guy getting d- food thrown on top of him. Yeah, that was pretty. Funny. I'm surprised it didn't happen more often. I know. Yeah. Um, what is so Quest when they get food? What what is the food from a wholesaler that, that a wholesaler might not uh, distribute? I think it was something like the hummus that they showed. So at one point in the show, there's 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 like this guy finds shit like, tons of peanut butter, shit tons of hummus and peanut butter. Yeah, all the <laughs> shit peanut butter doesn't really go bad though. Yeah, I think it. I think it must come from. Like a part of it could just be like if the if the crate is damaged. I imagine like you know even if like you think like a part of the one of the things might be damaged. Uh, again, like the hummus, which was the idea was that they didn't think they would need all of it, or they couldn't sell all of it, so they just didn't take any of it. Mm. Or sometimes, I mean, when you're dealing with large distributors like that, too, sometimes like they'll say, like, okay, we think we're going to sell this much. Right. And if they don't, they need the retail space for other products. So right. Even if it's good, it's cheaper for them to, to get rid of it mm-hmm. than it is to store it and wait for it to be sold if they have something else that they think will turn over. Mm-hmm. So, like, sometimes there, there's literally nothing wrong with it. They just, they're, they're like, it's, it, and that's what was so really apparent 
throughout the whole movie was that a lot of this waste is literally just a numbers game, mm, right? Yeah. And it's like the only value, and it comes back to something that we, I love it because we were talking about this all the time and mm. it's something we've been talking to Tim and we'll be talking to Tim Nash about. Uh, but it's like, it's pure, like there's no other spectrum that's even thought about. It's like if it, if you add up dollars and cents of these decisions and the effect is plus or minus zero, mm. then that's the decision. And that's the only factor in the decision at all. Mm. You know? and, I, and I think it really did a good job of highlighting that. Yeah. And I think, I think that what that really gets, what that really gets to, gets to me actually, um, is I've been thinking a lot about the fact that, uh, externality that, that, you know, our economic system works a lot on, on, um, on using externalities or, abu- or abusing externalities. And if there's nothing, there's no bigger, bigger externality in our world, in our world right now than waste. Like, mm. this is literally like what they said in, they said in one month, they, or no, over the course of the project, they, $20,000 $20, of food that they took mm. from dumpsters. Like, that's $20,000 that our mm. system has just decided isn't worth capitalizing on. Mm. And it's just, what and but the the interesting angle there too is that I mean it comes down to an obvious conclusion, which is the same conclusion that basically we get to any time you try and take uh you know big e environmentalism and convert it to big e economics, mm-hmm. which is that if you just put a price on the externality the pro the the we, like we wouldn't even need to have the conversation right yeah, but it's so funny because you have to it's like it's a literal one step solution. You mm-hmm. just put a cost on that waste, mm-hmm. and and the system is already designed to account for how to the best allot those resources, right? They like the economies are very smart. They do very smart things. The the point when we get into to trouble is when we don't tr- cost for externalities. Yeah. There shouldn't economics doesn't function if you don't price externalities. It's it's in theory it only works if you don't have any, mm-hmm. which we know that isn't true. So every time we find an externality, if you just put a cost on it, economics does a very good job of handling that. Mm-hmm. But what's hilarious is that we have to go through this fucked up whole like rigmarole of like educating the entire populace about the fact that this is a concern that we should be placing a price on and then eventually it just comes back to like the equivalent of somebody pressing a button. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like it's just maddening, right? <laughs> but that's the way it works. Yeah, I think there's uh, what I, uh, I um another thing I want to point out what I liked about this about, about the film was that it did a very good job sort of showing that it's very very easy and how many it's very easy and very con- consistent for the environmental movement to talk about farming practices. Whereas all of the low-hanging fruit really seems to be coming from anything right after that. Like, if you're seriously concerned about waste, uh, the farming practices have this, have, like, are, are the most efficient they can be given what everything else will accept. Mm. Like, that feed, fields of celery that they wouldn't eat. Or the idea that, like, I didn't even know that, that was something that was new for me. The idea of ger- gearning? Gearning? Gleaning. Gleaning? Gleaning. Yeah, Gleaning. Uh, which is basically the idea of going to farmers' fields and just taking up the the food they didn't they they would have end up plowing into the fields because they just it wasn't worth their time again. They have they the machine that goes over, right? Exactly, yeah. And then just using that money to then to then or using that food then to give to to, to shelters and things. Mm. Like again, all of this waste, all of this money that that were just that because it's just not not economical that it's just happening in the system. It's like it's crazy. But what I like, what I thought was interesting was all of this sort of pointed to, I think, it's sort of like the bigger problem in our, in a society, which is the sort of, which is the, um. Consumer demand? Con- the way consumer demand has influenced upstream. Mm-hmm. And I think the other part about that, what I find interesting, is the idea that how much can be solved by just localism. 
the benefits of localism that I think they showed to many sense in the film itself is is the comes from the that sort of it cuts out the grocery stores and how many times were they sort of showing this fact that the grocery stores were the ones that sort of created all this waste because they didn't think they could sell it mm-hmm. whereas this the one local farmer they showed was just bringing his stuff to a um, to a farmer's market and you know sometimes he couldn't sell some stuff that he knew was going to be weird looking like that zucchini that was kind of fat in the middle uh, but at the same time he did however I just I should point out yeah. he still brought it to sell yes he did like, try he to didn't, sell he still tried to sell it exactly. as a, uh, unlike the rest of the food system yeah. which d- discarded it as waste immediately yes exactly and he also was going to and then anything he didn't sell would then be used as compost which would be putting in soil which is again still more useful than putting in the landfill um and I think that's I think that's where regulation comes. But I think that's so interesting about the idea that uh, that localism will have that effect. Um, will localism will have that effect in that it will drive it, it, the closer you are to your food, the more um, the more forgiving you'll be when it looks like real things. I think. Like it sort of breaks down that thing that that uh, that what I guess it's always Kevin Farmer's uh, little thing about food comes from grocery stores and water comes from taps. You mean having personal contact with the people growing the food means you're more willing to accept oddly shaped potatoes exactly. and, and weird looking apples. Exactly, you're not you, you wouldn't. I feel like you'd, you'd probably be more connection with it actually being food. Like that's part of what the grocery store does. It sort of creates all of the things like they're the same. It presents mm-hmm. everything like you know. This is a broccoli. Broccoli must look exactly like this. This is a package good. Must look exactly like this. Mm-hmm. Whereas, and in in I think in a, more commonly in a, in a farmers market, you're, you 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 understand it more as what it is. Mm-hmm. You know, you the symbol- plant itself. You, when you're shopping at a supermarket, you symbolize the food into one archetype of of uh, of shape and beauty. Yeah. Whereas, if you're looking at if you're, if you're looking at uh, uh, the particularity of a local farmer or a local farmers market. Mm-hmm. Um, you're more willing to accept this is what this broccoli looks like. Yeah. Not what to, not not a fix, fit, fitting a larger archetype of broccoli. Exactly. You know, it's not to be Plato's Plato's form, Plato's form of broccoli. Of broccoli. Um, but yeah, and I think that's the big thing. I think that's that's the big thing about the sort of why we ca- why I'm calling this episode the, the straight banana. It was because there was you know because of all the regulations around bananas. Like, like that was such a, like, that was, I didn't know the exact, I did not fully understand that the European, all of Europe had to have a specific curvature for the bananas they were going to sell. And there's one picture, which, which, which I'll have up here, of the, of, of, of just one of the, one of the food waste guys I talked to, in front of all of these bananas that are getting thrown out, even though there's nothing wrong with them. They're just, don't fit that archetype of what a banana should look like. They might be too fat or too thin or straight. And suddenly that's not a, nothing, none of that, all of that is purely aesthetics. And, and the same thing with the peaches guy. The, there was a, there was a, they, they talked to a peach grower, a peach, um, a peach manufacturer, I guess. And, and he was just saying that like they, they had, they could not get, they could not sell certain, a certain amount of pizzas, peaches because grocery stores wouldn't take them. No one could take them. They just couldn't have that many peaches, uh, mm-hmm. available to anyone. And it's just like, it's mind blowing. There, there is the argument to be made, like not necessarily in the aesthetics thing, but if you think about, the celery, where they would go into the field and they would strip off uh, maybe a whole row of the celery stalks outside and then cut off the bottom mm. and the top, mm. and that's what's packaged and sold, and there's all this good celery lying on the field. That's going to waste. There is the argument to be made as sort of a, a devil's advocate thing, where you say that in such an advanced uh, human society, the way the way our system works, it has to work as rapidly and, I don't say efficiently, because you could say it's more efficient to... 
um, not do the waste. Mm. But suppose it is more efficient to allow some waste like that to occur with the celery. Mm. That in order to get where we need to go as a society, I mean, it, it involves a, a faith in some sort of um, technological future. Mm. But to we need to use as much as we can and as rapidly as we can and grow in order to uh, accomplish things that will fix that will that will fix the problems that we have right now. So we just we need to have as much physical material at our disposal. And if that creates waste, then that creates waste. We just need to make sure that that system keeps chugging, that we can get where we need to go to fix the whole the whole problem and move forward. Yeah, I think, and my big concern about, about that way of thinking is that it comes back to sort of how I understand what, what I find so interesting about the idea of, of continually relying on fossil fuels, which mm-hmm. is that I understand that right now our system runs this way. And I understand that sort of that this system is going to continue on this way right now, but the real concern for me isn't that like especially if, like we right now have enough oil to be able to create a shift to off oil while still using oil to make that shift. My concern is to continue this with, with oil for so long that it's too late to do it. Like we don't have enough oil to then actually make the shift off oil. Mm-hmm. Like you run out of that system, in the same way that. I would, you know, it would be, it would be, it would be great to have enough food to sort of continue on this sort of system. But if at some point we are, the way, the way we're creating our food system collapses before we have, before we use the current system to monumentally change in, into a more sustainable way, then what do you do? Like, I think we're sort of, the idea, I think that the, what, what well, I'm I mean, fighting is the food system is going to collapse simply, simply because we're not eating uh, the waste that's, that occurs. I think, well, I think forcing the food system to conform to max production instead of highest efficiency creates an unsustainable food system which could collapse. Because, like, right now, the, the nothing that, the nothing found interesting about in the show was the, or in the, in the documentary, was the fact that, that all of the costs got pushed up to the, to the producer. Yeah. Um, and, and you, hear, you hear that often. Which is weird, because is there no contract that says, we will take this amount of goods? No, they have no obligation. It's, no, they don't, and that's what, there's a whole bunch of, much interesting about how, um, about how Walmart ruins you if they, if they come, Walmart ruins you as a business if, if they, if they, if they start, if they start using you as a producer. Because, because Walmart has such stringent demands on what they want from you, and their order number is so much bigger than anything you've ever, you've ever done before. Mm-hmm. That you have to sort of ramp up your production to meet the product, meet the meet the demands, but then they have they basically own you because you are they you they are so much part they've of your business. De- they've de facto bought you out, even though they mm. never had to buy you out. Yeah, which then if you take a deal with them, you basically yeah they own literally, yeah like literally they yeah, might which as then well. means that they can then set their terms. They're all the business you need and want. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like uh, crack habit, <laughs> you know. Once you go crack, you don't go back. <laughs> But yeah, like there's there's that, and so like and so that's what happens to producers is that they have to accept these 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 deals where you know if you you know if we don't get you, they decide like an inspector comes and decides if they want their peach and they can and they can just say no to huge swaths of your goods and you just don't get paid for that because that's and that's it that's the only that's the only way to go and so because of that these producer farmers must produce as much as they possibly can because they know X amount of what they're gonna what they, they give will be rejected. Which is just you know so so they have to they have to go for the highest yield crops for the highest yield everything in the high in the mo- in the most acceptable way which I think is which is exactly what is making our our society not sustainable or according to the one person in the room 
Just make the farmers produce less food. Yes, which I was... I, I wasn't sure if we were going to get into that person, because that person... <laughs> that's an insane comment. Like, the, I know. Well, You're the, just a lunatic. You could not give a less relevant comment. <laughs> I, what's, what's funny is that she fought so hard to ask it, too. Oh, it was God. like... It was a good 15, 20 minutes of trying to wait your hand. And I'm sorry, lady, if you listen to our podcast, but I figure you don't. That's... No, like, um, that's like saying uh, STDs are a serious problem, so why doesn't everyone just stop having sex <laughs> or less sex no no <laughs> no sex <laughs> to make it as equally insane oh, right. that's you right. have to that's say right. no sex so to explain to our listeners uh, what the comment was there was one person who at the very right near the end of the comment section basically was like isn't the real problem the farmers who are making too much food not everyone else who's wasting all that food yeah and it was blame like, others <laughs> but it was like it was like uh, so what you're saying is the farm you, we've already explained to you all the ways in which the people don't want X types of food yes. it's creating less food unless you're unless you're basically what you're saying there is that farmers as a collective whole are deciding should basically, what happens after it leaves their farm you will not know that they should <laughs> just blackball the food distribution movement by saying we'll make we, we as a complete unified front will all make less food so you are forced to use the less useful stuff. I, I maybe have a more useful comparison. Mm. There's too much uh, abuse of uh, people under the age of 19 accessing online porn, <laughs> so IBM should make less computers. <laughs> I think that works better yeah, than my first Fair point. enough. But it's just like, yeah, so you cannot blame... I, I, I don't see how you can really blame farmers for this one. <laughs> like, as far as... As much as you want to say the organic movement is better, and as much as you want to say that factory farming is bad... Food waste as a specific problem is not the farmer's fault, and it can't be. You know, maybe they could be, maybe like they could do something like um, what another part of the part of the of the, of the documentary focused on uh, using food scraps to feed pigs. You know, this one probably the most the best character in the entire movie. Uh, I heard. I, I as a side note, I heard a couple of people groan that must have been the vegans mm. in the crowd. <laughs> like, uh, look at this nice guy who's feeding his pigs with pig scraps, and I could just hear them being like, "But they're still murdering pigs." <laughs> or maybe they didn't like the nasty look of the slop. Yeah, that was pretty gross. No, nah, I'm gonna go with throwing vegans under the bus. Right. <laughs> Boom! Take that, vegans. Which, uh, at this point, I should note, is, is mostly for fun. I don't actually <laughs> hate vegans. They're just really fun to tease. That's true. But yeah, but so the, the, what? This guy was a was a pig farmer who took eight percent of all food waste in Las Vegas to feed his pigs. Just crazy huge, absolutely crazy, crazy high number. Given how much food waste must be in Las Vegas, which is an example of you know, sort of a way to make the you know he's doing he's doing exactly what you're saying. He's he's putting value on an externality and he's using that externality to make a bunch of money on his pig farm. Uh, hopefully, someone will keep up his uh, his his venture when he dies. <laughs> When he dies feeding his pigs with his boots food. on. With his boots on. Yeah, there's just, there's so many tracks you take with food waste because there's so many different ways you can sort of think about it. Like even just from an, you know, as we mentioned earlier, from the energy efficiency standpoint. There's and, also a strange there's a, there's, there's a a cultural problem of I don't know if it's how widespread it is because not a ton of people I know, probably because we're all recently students and have no money. <laughs> actually leave food on their plate. Like, I don't know anybody who, who... Like, I don't have any friends who I could picture doing that and not taking it home. Right. Like, it's just not, not economically sound. Right, yeah. You wouldn't leave there. If you, like, half a meal, home, a meal you're not um, leaving that. Yeah, but I was at... I guess I was, I was at Swiss Chalet because we had a uh, an employee team lunch. Mm. 
And I had Swiss chalet for the first time. They didn't serve me nearly enough food. Like, what the hell is that? It's because you were at a Canadian sushi. Yeah, <laughs> American sushi. That would that would sell you brown. But the two, I should have ordered the fries with, because mm. ordered the salad was the issue. Mm. But get a f- salad from sushi. Like, <laughs> fuck out. <of> here. <laughs> and want fries and chicken? Why not? That's they the best thing else ever. going on. <laughs> but the two, you know, if you're really crazy, you can peel up the skin, put fries with the chicken, and eat it all together. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> but the two, yeah. the two older, slightly older, maybe they were in their late fifties, mid sixties. But I don't know if it's because they're from a generation of 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 uh, huge plethora and plenty um, coming out of the of the Second World War in, the, in North America. But they just left so much food on their plate, and I'm just like, you're working part time at a call center, <laughs> but you're wasting all of this food that you could be taking home. Right. I can't imagine you have a ton of money. Right. Um, but it's just like there's so much food there, and I'm just I don't understand the mindset of somebody who doesn't take full advantage of nutrients that they could be feeding their mm. body. You know, well, it, it's, it's so I never leave food my type of thinking. anywhere. Even if it makes me sick, I will eat everything. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, think it's, and I think it speaks somewhat to the, to the culture. The, the idea of taking food back is, you know, maybe, that's, maybe, they, maybe they do see that as, like, showing that they don't have enough money, or maybe they don't yeah. like saving things. I or, mean, if you like fries, keep the fries and have them in the future. Mm. You know what the best way to avoid being embarrassed by asking for a doggy, doggy bag <laughs> is? Finish everything, <laughs> which I do. Every time, <laughs> I keep forgetting that uh, about that though. When uh, doing Korean barbecue, and, oh, oh yeah, I, yeah. 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 <laughs> I have to oh, eat everything. Oh wait, yeah, they just keep bringing it. I should stop. <laughs> <laughs> this needs to stop. But yeah, I think there's. Yeah, I, I think I think it really comes down to that. Yeah, what they made in the in the movie again. They had another point about the idea that we've sort of people have sort of figured out the idea of of being into littering and have sort of figured out the idea of recycling, but food waste is something that's so hard to deal with because it's, I think part of it is because it's hard, especially with sort of, you know, body image issues, it's hard to tell someone you have to eat that. Mm-hmm. And and, they, and again, and they, they mentioned as well, there is the level of, of like, as you just said, if you are at a restaurant and they don't serve you enough food, that's like, what the fuck am I doing here? <laughs> like, this is ridiculous. Yeah. No, but if they serve you too much food, then you, then you have a different battle. Uh, which often happens in states, but the there's there, what I find whenever I talk about food, whenever I think about food issues and go back to food issues, I always come back to a couple of things that seem to be the most the most common things. And you know, like when you get like when you're in sort of movements, there's like three things that just become so cliche because they're just like the best advice anyone has. Uh, and in the food movement, it's always, always, always cook your own food, mm-hmm. always, and that's like the solution to everything. Like, it's just, it's, it, there's, you know, it's, it's more nutritious. It's, it's, you know what's in well, going into it. It's throwing it out, too. You're like, I spent a, an hour and a half making this oh, exactly. huge stew. You, exactly. You'll, always, you'll almost always save it. It's, it feels more like, you know, there's, it's, you know, it's, it's better for the environment to buy whole foods, like whole tomatoes, instead of buying canned stuff, because it's way more, pro- the more, the, any excess processing that happens is more energy that's being wasted on food. That mm. you could just be I can doing. Imagine canned tomatoes are terribly processed. Oh no, canned tomatoes. I'm, I just sort of had these tomatoes to be tomatoes, but like you know, if you there's crazy things you can buy that are very easy to make yourself, and I think that's I think that's whenever something like that becomes that cliche, just it should it should just be, it should just enter knowledge of human like people should just know that. Like, but I guess people do, and the problem the problem often is is that they're, they're too busy. Mm-hmm. Like busyness becomes a thing, or just they didn't learn how to cook. Like how much how much of cooking is just sort of try and error, but if you never have, if you never really could do it, then you, then you'll, you'll end up eating out or you'll end up sort of, you know, being too lazy or not, just not, not feeling comfortable doing that. 
But yeah, I mean, it's people like I think that that is largely an issue of, or at least from my anecdotal observation, mm-hmm. which is really this um, entire podcast's point. So, <laughs> of have, of, of, is, of, is there any been any part of any of the podcasts that aren't? <laughs> um, I think I think Tim Nash, when we had him on, maybe had some opinions that were probably backed up by. Ah, uh, yes, I mean between the three. Oh, of us. no, then yeah, no, no, no chance. Um, but <laughs> it is like you have somebody who. Like it's too, it's working, having to work too many hours at a job and like being paid a lot of money, but you're still working too many hours. Mm. So you have all this money, disposable income, and not that much time to spend it. Mm. So there's really no incentive to cook your own food. Right. At that point. Like you might as well order in or buy pre-made stuff Mm. and just have it together and have delicious food. I mean, if you want delicious food, like you're not going to spend a bunch of time learning how to make delicious food. Right. So, I, think, I mean, part of that can be solved by having more leisure time mm, as a culture. Fair. I think, I think it also comes down to having a... Yeah, I think, I think it also comes down to how people use leisure time. Or like the idea that if you work... If you can find it, you know, if, if, if your job allows you to work only 30 hours a week uh, and you make less money, but you use the less money to actually make your money go further by, say, buying mm. whole foods and making yourself, because making your own food is dramatically cheaper... Are you in fact richer or poor? Like, what are you doing there? So it's it's an interesting it's an interesting question, and it, 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 but that speaks directly to sort of the underlying culture that sort of that is probably the most prevalent in in our society generally, which I think is is, is another makes the, which makes the whole thing kind of silly, I think, to some extent, because it's what? well, the idea that we can actually like yeah, that that blows this thing this whole conversation up to such a high level of basically trying to convince people and trying to convince the world that strictly making more money isn't better is mm-hmm. like that goes against what I would argue probably the fundamental uh, difficulty we face in society at large yeah well I mean then, then there's a whole it moves back into the redistribution issue if you're saying right. if the society at large is making more money but it doesn't mean that everybody's benefiting right exactly and I think there's, and I think there's a lot of, uh, I think it comes also down to, to, to really, it, it comes down to sort of, so like some of the, the biggest things I got out of this, out of the film was, were that a lot of the stuff that you, th- like the tertiary benefits of other actions, really. You know, like, it, there's, eating local has some direct obvious benefits. Buying from farmers markets especially. Hmm. I would argue that, you know, Community building, more community events that sort of so, that served larger amounts of food, same thing, or like you know more community events that sort of served that fresh produce to groups of people, you know rather than sort of the more chain way that we're spending, that, you know like small restaurants are pro, are more are better than than something like Swiss Chalet, uh, which all of this should be generally pretty easy, but it's there's there's that whole thing too though, and it's a difficult um, it's a difficult thing to think about. Or difficult thing, it's a difficult thing to solve. So yeah, it's part of a much larger, more complex cultural shift. Yes, yes it is. <laughs> um, and as, you know, as so much of this sort of stuff ends up being, it's, when you look for solutions, it's always end up being, well, you know, maybe if we all worked 10 hours less, you know, thought money was slightly less important, focused on family and community and tried to live close, tried to live and interact with things closer to home, everything would be better. And then but, you're talking about consciousness. You're talking about mindset. Yeah. At that point. Which I think if there's one thing that I would actually, I would, I, I think this movie did well is that it was very, very accessible. Mm-hmm. And I think it will, if the goal is just to get people to think about this as a thought, 
And, you know, I don't... Will it change the world? Probably not. Uh, will it might... Will it get Will it get people who would normally be very against the idea of even thinking about this way? Thinking about it? Probably. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're, we're coming up to along the 40-minute mark. So I am going to encourage last thoughts from both you two, and then we'll wrap this up. Uh, last thoughts. Uh, I... Hmm. Yeah, it's it's. It, it, I I found it difficult as somebody as I said at the beginning, but I want to sort of add something to it, which was that I found it difficult at the beginning uh, to put myself in the shoes of somebody that did, wasn't coming from where I was coming from, and and try and think about how how they would think about it. Mm-hmm. I I actually genuinely would be very interested to like. I, I I'm not going to be able to do this, mm-hmm. uh, but I I wish I had access to like. Uh, survey data about what people more in the, I think, who the movie was designed for felt about it. Um, and to get a better handle on how effective I think it's going to be, I think that's a, it's a difficult decision for me to make. Um, I, you know, I felt it, the style was very effective, but as I would have designed it a lot differently. But one thing I would like to see is, is that I thought it was, the, I was most impressed by their insistence that they wanted to turn it into a school version uh, afterwards, uh, mostly because, um, I don't think it did enough to actually get people motivated to do action mm. and, and it, but it did seem like they were aware of that. Mm. So I think my biggest thing would be, these are, these are some very in, inclusive issues, but it, it's not enough. And, mm. and not just that it was a good intro to, but for it to have any effect whatsoever, I think it needs to be connected to a, and here's how you engage in your local thing, or here's some things you can do, or whatever. Other than that, this will have what I've been titling since it, it's just a coincidence it's on the same topic, mm. the Food Inc. effect. Mm. Which was <laughs> that everybody thought it was really cool, got really motivated by it, uh, was really concerned about what they were eating for three months, and then never thought about it again and went right back to their old habits. Um, and that's largely for the same reason, although I think Food Inc. actually did a better job of having a carry-through message than mm. this movie did. Um so yes, if it's if it can be connected to something else, great. Otherwise, I think it's going to be an enjoyable movie that will open people's eyes for a few minutes. I really hope they connect deeper with it, but I don't think the movie itself was enough to do that. Hmm. Food Inc. Um, is that based on Michael Pollan's book? I don't know who that is, so I'll say maybe. <laughs> he writes a bunch of books about food and farming. Uh, I'm going to continue with maybe. <laughs> food Inc. is probably the most famous, probably the most famous uh, book about sort of like just. That was a book. No, it's a movie. Sorry. Oh. Um. But anyways, Dave's last thoughts. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know if I have much to add on my, my beginning comments mm. on the documentary. Well, or the thoughts on food waste generally. Maybe you could tell your story of when you did dumpster diving as a uh, for a couple days. I, mean, I think something like Quest is probably one of the best things um, that I've heard of in terms of combating food waste. Mm. Um, gleaning seems so, more of a, a temporary thing, and unless you had an actual organization whose job it was to do that, mm. then it would be something else um, than just people here and there collecting yeah. farmer scraps. Just to, sorry, just to jump in because it's something I, I I meant to mention and I didn't. I I think the biggest way to do that to to do my own thing and not just mm. provide information but actually provide a follow through. I will do that for my own comments, which is that I want to see this being turned directly into the most effective action, which is that there needs to be a price on waste. We just It's, it's purely economics. I, I think that people's habits and all that stuff is great, uh, but I think we've learned from a lot of other issues that the most effective way is put a price on it, the system will sort itself out. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I would, that's what I would like to see the, 
the actual takeaway mm-hmm. be. And we have seen, and you, you've seen the price on waste have interesting effects already. You know, in Toronto has a price on waste now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. I don't think it's very high. But further, further up the line, like well, we're, we're putting the price on, like we need to, you put it at the beginning, like right. the beginning, like price on carbon. You don't start taxing gas stations, right? That's not the place you put right. it. You put it right at the start, right? So right, which is those way through. So in, in a way that it actually benefits farmers mm-hmm. because now they're well, like, well, we can't do business if we're only giving you ten percent of the product we produce or whatever right. the number is, right? So the only way for this to be sustainable is if you accept a wider range of products, right? And then that trickles down. It's like, okay, now we have to accept this, so how are we going to market this? Okay, so that changes how the... Right. It'll trickle all the way through the system. You start right with the farmers in a way that you work with farmers to put a price on cost that actually allows them to sell more of the product they're already producing, Mm -hmm. and that will filter through the rest of the system Mm -hmm. as it should. I think, well, yeah, I I think you'd you'd have to... to Put a price on on waste throughout the system because I think you, exactly because you'd want the main you, you don't want the manufacturers to get stuck with the cost either you want the manufacturers to also be able to make the same deal with then the grocery stores and the grocery stores right well, all you, the way down. You, you would bring everybody like the price it, the the cost would start at the farmer mm-hmm. end or at least the the manufacturing end mm. um, but you would do it in concert with like you know in one of those situations like you do things where you raise uh, fuel efficiency standards mm-hmm. you bring in the car companies into that discussion right. you say. Here's the here's the thing that's not up for discussion. Mm. This uh, our fuel efficiency is going up. Mm. What it goes up to, how we implement it, how we share the cost, that's a discussion. What's mm. not up for discussion is whether or not we're doing right. this. That's the conversation you have. Mm. You guys help us decide what the most effective way that's going to least damage your business model is going to be, but it's non-negotiable that this is happening. Mm. Now that takes giant political balls, <laughs> uh, but that's how you right. solve that problem. Yeah. Dave Sorry to interrupt. I'm wondering how how the price on waste would even happen on a farmer level. If you're talking about not hucking off, not hucking off so much celery, like you have a government inspector walking through a field saying you didn't pick up enough of this food. Well, the, 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 I think I, th- I think that's where I, I think that's why I, th- I think you c- it's it wouldn't be because any farmer waste like the celery is just going to get sent well, back the into the soil. Potatoes. Uh, the sweet potatoes. Yeah, I, I don't think I, I think you get it at the at the stage where you know the peaches. We saw the peaches sort of going through the the sorter. Like, well, I mean, that's, like one of the things, if they're if they're keeping it on the farm, you wouldn't charge that because if they're if that waste is going into the soil, that reduces fertilizer. Great. What you could do is you do the same thing. Like you charge them insane amounts of money to like the cheapest thing for them to do is throw it away. So you make it not cheap. You, you make it insanely expensive throw to dispose away, of because like the farmer is already like. Once that waste is happening, it's already in the distribution process, right? Like, where where no, is the waste the farm, on the farmer's end? That, like, they're throwing away the the fruit and stuff they can't use because, like, they'll if they took I everything. Those are distribution factors. Well, you, often what will happen is the farmer will make will, will have will bring will bring everything, and then the first person who comes. So the, some of the waste might be thrown out all, like at the farm, but it's being decided by the distributor or the first person who's getting it what mm. is getting taken or not. So it wouldn't it wouldn't be like it, it wouldn't be it'd be it wouldn't be directly on the farm because the farmer can't really collect stuff that he can't collect. It would be the first sort of path afterwards. So maybe that means... So then who's the onus on then? The guy deciding what he wants from the farm? Because the farmer can't be like, you have to take this because I'm going to get charged. Right, fair. I don't don't know know if this is... We're running out of time and I don't know if trying to figure out the exact perfect way to put a price on waste is is tenable right now. Uh, So we'll just... we'll We'll let that simmer. If you have a comment on... to answer this question... Uh, where comment system was working again. So, by all means, leave us a comment about what your thoughts are on the movie. Uh, we'll set up a link under it. It's, if this, this is up on Tuesday, so if you happen to listen to this between maybe noon and four, this is a show literally today. Uh, if not, uh, it will be up on the Knowledge Network and other places soon, I'm sure. 
thank you for uh, for joining us, Dave and Darren. And this is going to be a just you know not just eat it just it's it's just eat it by Weird Al Yankovic to play us out. Wait.